Hi, I'm Bo Williams, your host for Taboo Talk, the podcast brought to you by Boots that ask the taboo health and wellness questions so you don't have to. This week, we're discussing something that half of the UK's population will experience, and yet barely anyone is talking about the menopause. The menopause is the name given to the stage in life when someone's gone 12 months without a period. The stage leading up to that transition is called the perimenopause, and that most commonly starts in your 40s, but can start earlier. Symptoms include such joyful things as hot flushes, fatigue, insomnia, low libido, and mood swings. It is estimated that around 13 million women are going through perimenopause or menopause right now in the UK. It's actually the fastest growing demographic in the workforce with 8 out of 10 perimenopausal and menopausal women currently working. And yet a recent poll found that 44% of women believe the menopause is still a taboo subject despite 61% saying their symptoms have had or are having a huge impact on their lives. In this episode, TV and radio presenter Lisa Snowden joins women's health specialist Dr. Shazadi Harper of the Harper Clinic to discuss why debunking myths around menopause is so crucial and why, with the right information, it can actually be a positive experience. Now, before we get into things, if anyone listening to this episode is struggling with suspected symptoms of perimenopause or menopause, always speak to your GP first. You can also head to Boots.com where you'll find the Boots Menopause Hub, which can help you to find the right support. Plus, check out the Boots Online Doctor, which allows you to book a convenient consultation with a clinician who can advise on menopause and HRT treatment. Okay, let's get started. Going to kick things off with Dr. Shazadi, and I'm going to ask you, okay, which kind of, I should know this, but I didn't know this. So what is perimenopause? Oh, hi, Vogue. Hi, Lisa. Yes. So I think most of us know what menopause is. Menopause is when you have your last period ever. Um, and all women go through this and it's around the age of 51. And the reason that happens is because our female sort of sex organs or ovaries stop producing the hormones, predominantly estrogen and progesterone and some testosterone. So the perimenopause is that time leading up to it. Um, so it can start about 10 years beforehand. It can start in your late 30s, early 40s. And that's when you get those symptoms. That's when you get those symptoms like the ones that you probably have heard about, things like hot flushes, mood changes, but also things like anxiety, insomnia, weight gain, loss of libido. Um, and, you know, there, there are sort of 34 plus of these symptoms. But And what's going on around this time is our sort of ovaries are gradually producing less and less of our female hormones, estrogen and progesterone. So our periods start to change. They start to become maybe a bit shorter in their cycle, a little bit irregular, heavy um, and, and light, or you might miss a few. And initially it's that hormone progesterone that starts to decline. And it makes us, that's the one that gives us that sort of insomnia, anxiety. But I often call estrogen the hero hormone. And that's the one that's declining, but also in a very fluctuant way. And that's why some days women may feel better than other days. And it's as that hormone declines, we get these symptoms. And 
Uh, many women, most women do get symptoms, about 80%. Some women will sail through. I often say, I wonder if they do sail through, maybe they've got a different lifestyle that it doesn't impact them so much. Um, so that's what perimenopause is. And really, that's what we need to be sort of talking about and understanding because that can come much earlier than you think. Um, and for some women, um, you know, sort of like I said at the beginning, you know, it can be your late 30s or early 40s. On average, for most women, that time is around four years or so. And what kind of symptoms would you be looking for for perimenopause? Just like your periods would change, your mood would change? Yeah, your periods would change. And I think, you know, one of the big things that women come and see me about is the fact that they can't sleep or their sleep is disturbed. They get broken sleep. They're not waking up refreshed. Anxiety. And I think, you know, um, often we may think that that is something going wrong. Your GP may think of depression rather than um, perimenopause. But anxiety is a big symptom. Sometimes some women can't drive. They get panic attacks um, and, you know, they feel overwhelmed, not being able to cope as well. Also things like brain fog, you know, they're at work and they can't remember the next word or, or lose track in their midway through a presentation. So it's it can be more the sort of psychological symptoms which impact women first, more than those physical ones of um, like the like hot flushes, night sweats, but also things like joint pains are common. You know, 50% of women also get joint pains and also other physical changes like hair thinning, which can affect a woman's confidence, her well-being, mental health and well-being, skin changes, vaginal dryness and loss of libido. And it has a ripple effect on everyone around, not just her, you as a woman, but also, you know, partners, children, workplaces, you know, so, so relationships on a whole. Yeah. Can I be honest? A lot of them sounds like pregnancy symptoms as well. Yeah. There's, one of the things I say often is that women are having children later and later. So often they go may go from postnatal into peri without realizing it because postnatally, that's what's also going on is your body's sort of resetting itself because of the sort of surge of hormones during pregnancy. And especially if you're breastfeeding as well, when you're breastfeeding, again, you may get symptoms like vaginal dryness because of the drop in estrogen levels. So yes, it can very much feel like they overlap, but also overlap with other things like being anemic, iron deficiency anemia, which many women might be around this time because of heavy periods. An underactive thyroid can often give you that, you know, that sluggishness, weight gain, poor concentration. So, so there can be a number of things that overlap around this time. So, so it's a good time to have a checkup, I often say. Isn't it? It's a good time to take stock. Yeah. And Lisa, I love the way, well, you've been really open and honest talking about uh, you going through perimenopause, which I think is important because on a subject that honestly, probably about like three or four years ago, it was really hush hush. You didn't really speak about it. Can you tell us a bit about your experience? Well, everything that Shazadi, Dr. Harper mentioned, was literally like, I was just like nodding away. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All of those, I was like textbook. So when I look back, it was when I was about 42. So relatively early. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my first kind of when I, initial warning signs now I realise were that those feelings of depression, feeling really over emotional, unable to process stress, like out of the blue, like things that I'd usually be able to tackle. I just couldn't. Um, and I went to my GP and I burst into tears and, you know, he was just like, you're obviously depressed. You need antidepressants. So classic. I went on the antidepressants and I did that for about six months. But I knew that that wasn't what I needed. I felt like it, and I, you know, 
they can really help people. And, I'm, and, and I think if you need them, then that is something that you should take. But I just felt that there was something else going on. So then my kind of symptoms moved from being very emotional, very depressed. And like Dr. Harper said, it's not all the time. It's like it, it used to come in fluctuations in waves. Then my cycle started to become really crazy. So super short, then really long, then very regularly, then so heavy I could barely leave the house and the pain was debilitating. So again, that was another huge warning sign. Still didn't know because nobody mentioned perimenopause. You know, this was like, yeah. you know, almost eight years ago, eight, seven, eight years ago. So I was just sort of navigating this world by myself and I had no idea. Um, and then I got to about... 44, 45, and I started having acupuncture and the acupuncturist would look at my tongue and she would say, your hormones are so out of whack and I would still be so emotional. I'd be having all these really erratic periods, very weird cycles. And that is when I decided to go and see a hormone specialist and do the blood work and kind of just try and really find out what was happening. And so like how many years do you think it took you from feeling really down and not knowing what it was to actually finding out that it was perimenopause? Probably about four, just over four years. Wow. And, you know, so that was like me juggling work. I had the brain fog. I didn't trust myself to go to some jobs. I'd lie in bed anxious. I had night sweats. I put on about three stone over that time. Um, and it's really gradual and you're not really changing anything. You're not changing your diet. You're still exercising, but still you just start to get puffy everywhere. And then that obviously plays a huge part in your confidence and your sort of mental well-being. Yeah. And it's really hard to get a handle on what's going on and you just don't recognize yourself. I would have these rages where I'd be fighting with George, who's my partner, and I'd be an absolute bitch to him, you know, and it would just be awful. And then I would feel so remorseful because I'd feel super out of control and I'd be like, why am I taking out on him? So it was just this yo-yo of emotions and horrible feelings and lack of confidence and brain fog and then the sleep being impacted. So yeah, it, that's why I'm so passionate about talking about it because I just hate the thought of women navigating this time in their lives on their own and feel like, and they think they're going crazy. We think we're going mad. Yeah. I mean, like when you're t saying all that stuff, I'm so glad that I know it now I did yeah. like I knew things about the menopause but like I associated night sweats and things like that nothing else so you would think that you're going absolutely crazy yeah. when all that stuff has happened to you for no reason and it must have really affected your life and like you said about your partner and everything like that that would be really difficult yeah, I mean, I'm really lucky. He is so patient and, <laughs> you know, he's like a saint. I think he could just see that there was something. He knew that that wasn't me. I wasn't behaving yeah. rationally, you know, and he's just been amazing. He's just, he wants to understand. He wants to like, you know, know what's going on. So I'm really lucky in that respect. Things like work, folk, you know, I'd get a job and I'd get the call and I'd be like, straight away, I'd be like, I can't do it. I can't oh, do it. No. And, and I'd be like, I, you know, hosting jobs, getting up on stage, having to rely on your brain to be funny or spontaneous or I just didn't have that brain capacity anymore. I couldn't find words. I was just like, ah. So, you know, when that goes, it's it's almost like you just want to give everything up and you just want to say no to everything and you just want to stay in and not leave the house. That's really sad. And I actually have a stat here that 10% of women say they would seriously consider giving up work because of their symptoms 
which is actually like really scary that you'd have to give up what you do. But like, it's when I can only associate it personally myself with like pregnancy brain fog when I'm just, I sometimes I go, I like that. I go to a job and I'm like, I don't remember what I was supposed to do. And yeah, you feel really stupid and you're like, oh God. But pregnancy is celebrated. You know, that's like, oh, yeah. you're going, oh, sorry, pregnancy brain. And so, you know, <laughs> yeah. that part of you, you can kind of, that's a disclaimer almost. But with the menopause, you can't mention like, oh, sorry, I'm going through pre-menopause or I'm menopause or, you know, that, that just isn't something that's talked about. So, I mean, that's even if you know what's going on. Do you know what I mean? Would you, so, would you mention it now, though? Absolutely. I talk yeah. about it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why, you know, it's really important that there's policies in the workplace so that everybody knows about it. You can talk about it. You can have some flexibility with your working hours so you can go to your boss and be like, I need some time off. Life is getting on top of me and I need to sort this out. Yeah. So absolutely. And that, and the fact that, you know, Dr. Shazadi is being so vocal about it and it's amazing. There's so much more information information out there now. But I agree with you, Lisa. I mean, in the workplaces, because I remember that sort of mushy brain fog after having my daughter um, and putting it down to pregnancy brain. And you could say it and people would smile and sort of say, okay, you know, and be understanding. If that happens now, or if that was to happen before, and brain fog was one of my symptoms too, you can't really say, I, th I think I've got peri brain or something. And people will sort of look at you thinking, well, what's going on? It's not as accepted. And yet it happens. And, and it should be, you know, this, this is a different stage in a woman's reproductive life. And so these symptoms are so common. And like you said, Vogue, so many women do think about giving up their work. You know, they yeah. all get a demotion. And I've seen so many women like that. And that is why I'm, quite vocal about sort of, you know, let's talk about perimenopause and let's take action sooner rather than later because you don't want women to lose that shine, that sparkle, you know, and go into that sort of grey, dull zone. Yeah. With menopause, is it just nature taking its course or is there things that can bring it on early as well? Um, it is. It is a natural stage in a woman's life. So it is nature taking its course, but nature may take its course a little bit sooner for some women. You know, some women may go through what we call premature ovarian insufficiency. That means that they may go through their menopause under the age of 40. So it's important maybe to find out from your mother, you know, your family history, because often if your mother's gone through it early, you may well go through it early. Um, things like trauma, stress, you know, COVID, in fact, you know, the stress of COVID has exacerbated some women's symptoms or tipped them into perimenopause a bit earlier. You know, divorce, bereavement, and also things like not having children, you know, those women can go through menopause a couple of years earlier. Women who've had IVF treatment may go through their menopause earlier, as do smokers. Your ethnicity can have an impact. You know, women of Indian origin often go through it a bit early. In, in India, the average age of menopause is 46 and a half. So, you know, you can find that your socioeconomic status, your ethnicity, um, you know, whether or not you've had children or not, even whether or not, you know, you're in a relationship or not, you know, being in a relationship can have a protective effect and not being in a relationship can mean that you might go through it a little bit earlier. Wow, that's kind of crazy. I was at an event with Liz Earle and she was talking a lot about the menopause and she was saying that her symptoms of like real bad anxiety and stuff were kind of dismissed as just like, oh, you need to go and speak to somebody and it's just anxious thoughts. It wasn't brought on by the menopause is what they were saying. But are there some symptoms that maybe people just relate to something else instead of saying, actually, that might be perimenopause or the menopause? 
Well, well, I think, you know, that's an important point because I think women around this time of life in their 40s are often sort of juggling a lot of balls. You know, they may have children, young children doing school runs. They may be, you know, children may have left and gone to university. You know, they may be coming up to the peak of their careers. So, you know, they may put this all down to life. And I forgot to mention, you know, one of the big symptoms around this time is fatigue, feeling tired, that lethargy. So so they may just put it down to all the things that we're doing. And, you know, we as women often are just doers. We just get on and do things. We plow through and we don't st- sort of stop and think, could it be anything else going on? So that's a typical thing. And also, I think things like anxiety, they may just put it down to, you know, life, but but they may go to see their GPs and their GP may be putting it more down to, you know, offering them an antidepressant or putting it down to that. Whereas it's because of those hormonal sort of fluctuations and changes that drop in estrogen that these symptoms are happening. And the thing to remember is we have estrogen receptors all over our bodies, in our brain. So it can help act as a bit of a happy chemical in our brain. So, you know, when estrogen drops, you know, you can feel flat in mood. When your progesterone levels drop, you can feel anxious, not sleep so well. So all of these things can sort of come and combine, you know, sort of an important stage in a woman's life when so much else is also going on. Yeah. Well, with, if you feel anxious and depressed, like you, some people do go and they get tablets for it and, and everything like that. And it helps them. But with, if it's come on through perimenopause, could you actually just sort out your, your levels and that would help your mood and everything? Yeah, that's that's a good point because, you know, things like actually things like a hormone replacement therapy could probably be the best course of action rather than antidepressants because with depression, depression is a continuous low sadness and mood for two weeks. But in perimenopause, the symptoms fluctuate. And that's the important thing to remember. It's not every single day. Some days are better than other days. And so, yes, maybe going on to hormone replacement therapy, maybe, you know, taking up things like sort of exercise and looking at your lifestyle. Are there changes that you can make in it? Um, Cutting back on caffeine, sugar, alcohol, you know, stopping smoking, get moving. Holistic measures, lifestyle can also play an important part around this time. God, this is interesting. How unfair for women, like the shit that we have to go through, honestly. Yeah, all our lives really you know when you think about our periods and our cycles and that sort of like throughout the month like one week you might feel okay because the rest of the time you're like you're eating everything under the sun and and then you've got pain and then you yeah and then you want to kill everybody that you live with (laughs) so it's like it's it's sort of like that but all the time and you know going back to what you're saying about people in the workplace it's like most women who are going through the menopause or premenopause have reached this amazing pinnacle of their career you know they're so powerful in their jobs and that breaks my heart that people just want to walk away from it. It's just But I awful. feel like it's 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 almost like on this side of the world where we're like, oh God, you're going through the menopause, you're getting old and it's not celebrated. Where like it's celebrated everywhere else that it's like, oh, you're so wise and like like people do celebrate you, but not here. It's it's weird. Yeah, I mean, like in Eastern cultures, it's it's called this the second spring. So this is the the new phase of a woman's life is your second spring, and that is hugely celebrated. This yeah. is a time when you're empowered. You know what you want. You've got a little bit more time on your hands. Maybe your kids have grown up and they've, you know, left the nest, and so you can start seeing your girlfriends or traveling or just taking some more ownership of your life. And so it is hugely celebrated there. You are seen as wise, and you're seen, you know, it's almost like you're put on a pedestal. But here, you're not. It's like they don't, it's just not even talked about. I know. It's quite, it's, well, it's actually really unfair. <laughs> yeah. 
but it's getting better. It's getting better. It absolutely is. The fact that we're talking about it today is brilliant. I honestly think though, hearing you, you speak about it, I hear Davina talk about it. And I think it's just so important because it just makes women, like it makes people understand. Like I remember at that same event that I was at with Liz Earl, I was there with my husband and he was like, what's the menopause? And I was like, pardon? He didn't know what the menopause was. And this is going, this is two months ago. So he didn't even know what the menopause was at all. And I I couldn't believe it. But like, then he rang one of his friends and he was like, I bet you he doesn't know. And he didn't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, we talk about like periods, puberty, pregnancy, all of that in school. Not once did anybody ever mention perimenopause or the menopause. Not once. And it affects 51% of the global population. Not only that, but every man knows a woman and it's going to affect them as well. So it affects everybody. And it's just not even, we're never even taught about it. But that is the thing. It it will affect your partner a lot. I'm sure, I'm sure it does. Because (laughs) when you're feeling down, they live with you and, and like you're, as you said, you were like a different person, but how did you deal with your mental health changing, going from being this one person that you were always, and then feeling depressed and down because of perimenopause? Well, obviously, like I said, I took the antidepressants in the beginning, but that wasn't the answer. I turned to exercise, like movement. You've got to, you know, like the fact that you can just, I mean, obviously the weight gain comes on out of nowhere. So that's hugely like, oh, that's just a horrible feeling when you go to your wardrobe and none of your clothes fit you and you just feel wretched, you know? Yeah. So exercise is something that not only helps to kind of keep your weight down a little bit, but it helps, as you know, to boost serotonin and release endorphins. And you just feel like you have a bit more control, which then means that you can make better choices with your food. As Dr. Shazadi said, you have to sort of limit your, anything that stresses you out, anything that makes you anxious. So, you know, that extra cup of coffee might make you, might get you from like feeling a little bit perky in the morning to then feeling like, you know, like really, really stressed and like your brain's going even more crazy. So things like that, you know, alcohol, all those kind of things have a really big impact on our mental health, as we know. And I think a lot of women in their perimenopause stages, I can talk from from experience, you just self-medicate with a big glass of wine or maybe three in the evening because you're just trying to get to the end of the day and feel better. And that obviously then impacts your sleep and then the sugar is bad and then an alcohol is a bit of a depressant. So it has this knock-on effect. So you really need to look at the whole thing as a whole 360 approach, really. Yeah. And just really start to sort of make some diaries, food diaries, write a journal, trying to like find things that trigger you and make you feel worse um, and just eliminate a lot of things that cause that extra anxiety. But it can feel a bit like a chicken and an egg situation. You're, you're tired, so you don't want to go and exercise, you know, and so you end up sort of reaching for the wrong foods. You're not sleeping. So then you end up sort of drinking much more coffee and sort of carbs and sugars to give you that boost and that energy during the day. So it can be quite hard to break out of it. And especially if you don't know much about it. And like we've been talking about, we don't really know much about it. And we need to talk about it more openly with each other, with our friends, uh, with our mums, with our sisters, you know, and with our partners. And I think it really impacts the men in your life as well, not just because your mood is flat, but as a woman, you don't feel sexy. You know, you've gained that weight, your hair might, and skin's not what it used to be. You don't really want to have sex. And, you know, sex is communication, intimacy with your partner. So you sort of drift further and further apart. And really, it's that domino effect of your hormones and everything else around you. Yeah. Speaking of sex, though, so you kind of can lose your libido and then you've got vaginal dryness. Like, how do you combat things like that? Because if you just don't feel like having sex, you don't feel like having sex. 
Yeah. I mean, HRT for me, the hormone replacement therapy has been a game changer. <laughs> like a game changer. And for like, your partner. <laughs> and for George as well. He's like, oh, I recognize you. You're back in the room. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, definitely. And I, you know, I'm massively pro HRT. Not everybody wants to take it. Not everybody can take it, but it's been a game changer for me. It's helped me to get my brain back you know, my energy back so I can exercise more. A lot of the symptoms that Dr. Shazadi spoke about, like the skin changes, the, you know, the thinning of the hair. I didn't suffer too much with the vaginal dryness, but I had no libido whatsoever. Like literally I was just like looking, looking for my libido, (laughs) couldn't find it anywhere. Um, But it's back. You'll be pleased to know. (laughs) A little testosterone in the mix has um, pepped that area right up. (laughs) <laughs> that, but there's so many things to worry about I like honestly having this conversation I'm like okay right I need to I'll have to look out for that I'll have to look out for this but Dr. Shazadi what do you what what would the difference for you between HRT and what Lisa was saying about like changing your lifestyle and trying to just do things to make you less anxious do some people choose one route and some people take HRT yeah I mean I think one of the things is maybe HRT has been sort of vilified. And so some women don't really know that it can help them and it is quite safe and low risk. And so they do go down that very much that holistic path, which, you know, I do advocate, but I think, you know, at some point it's not an either or, you can do both together. And I think you do need to sort of um, change your lifestyle, exercise, um, you know, all of those things that we're talking about, all the things that your doctor probably has been hammering home to you for years and years and years. But, you know, adding back a little bit of hormone replacement therapy, almost like topping up your ovaries, what they're no longer producing like they used to, can be that game changer. And it can help with that brain fog, that confidence, that feeling of sexiness coming back. And, you know, I often talk about sort of modern HRT regime as estrogen, progesterone, and some testosterone as well, sort of to give you that vavavoom, that libido, but also your mental sharpness and, and metabolism. It helps with all of that. So it is important to make an informed choice, get the facts before you decide either or. But also remember, it doesn't have to be either or. You can have, you can and maybe should do both. Yeah. And are you on it for the rest of your life or just a period of time? No, for the rest of your life. I mean, that's what I would say. What about you, Lisa? Let rest yeah. of your life? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Take it to uh, the grave. <laughs> yeah. I remember, yeah, I remember my mom talking about it like 10, 15 years ago. So I wonder, actually, I must ask her if she's still on it. Yeah, never... that'd be really interesting. Really yeah. interesting to find out like what you're, you know, it's really good to ask your mom because it was never spoken about, you know, it just really never. wasn't. And I think about my nan going through this on her own and, oh, yeah. you know, I just, it's, the information wasn't there. Yeah. And even like, you know, for my mum, she was, you know, that was when she was taken off her HRT because as Dr. Shazadi said, it, you know, it was demonised in the early, yeah. two, two, you know, two, it was like early 2000s. It was like, you know, you can't, you can't take it. Everybody's got to come off of it. It's going to give you breast cancer. You know, so there was a lot of, a lot of scary reports and, and that's, there's still a hangover from that. So yeah, it's horrible to think that a lot of women that really needed it had to be taken off of it. And, or, and that's or, or. important to sort of say that, you know, it's not for five years, it's not for 10 years, because sometimes some women sort of save up their symptoms and think, because I can only have it for five years, I'll wait till my symptoms get so bad, and then I'll go to the doctors to have it. No, you can have it for as long as you need it, you can have it for the rest of your life, as long as you stay fit and healthy, and there's no other medical conditions that sort of get in the way. And as long as you are reviewed regularly, because you may need your dose changed and tweaked as you go along the journey so is it taken like sorry i actually am clueless to it is it taken as an injection or is it taken as a tablet 
Oh, there's many different ways. You can have it as a, a patch, so through the skin, you know, uh, you can have it as a gel. And as Lisa loves is the spray version um, <laughs> and also as tablets. So so there are many different ways. And it's about catering to you. You know, you, know, you, you may have a really busy lifestyle and for you, you know, a patch may be better. For another woman, she's very happy with a gel. So it's really working it around you and your lifestyle and also your risk factors and keeping them as low as possible. Well, girlos, I was excited to not have to take the pill anymore and never have my period again. <laughs> but, but I don't think I am anymore. <laughs> but I suppose, like, what the way we're discussing it, you are seeing some some funny sides to it, like your like when you had funny mood changes and stuff like that, because you're out the other side. So there is an end to feeling like that, and there is ways out, whether it be holistic or taking HRT. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think you know because now there's more talk about it. You don't have to fear it. You just have to recognise what's what the changes are and what's going on. And then there's help out there, and you don't ever go through it. You just go into it. And not having periods, which I feared for so long because I thought that that made me a woman, and I was hanging on to them. Now I don't have them anymore. <laughs> bloody amazing <laughs> just like goodbye um so yeah so now I, and I feel great like I've got my life back I've got my brain back you know kind of still trying to work on my, getting my body back but you know you also have to have that sense of acceptance as well as you get older it's like you don't look the same as you did when you were 20 or 30 you know it's just life happens and you just have yeah. to like go along with it and just do the best you can to kind of adapt and adjust yeah, I mean, and that's important, that one word, acceptance. You do have to accept, you know, we are ageing, we are chronologically ageing. Even though we make fantastic on the outside, our bodies are changing. And, you know, one simple way I often think to sort of um, describe perimenopause is think of it as a reverse puberty. You know, when you were going through puberty and your hormones were raging and you was going crazy, it, the same thing sort of happening at the other side, but on the downward decline. So that's one way of sort of recognising it. Um, yet we don't have to suffer. You know, I've always been a really bad PMT sufferer um, and I'm now on HRT. I was very much an early adopter of it. And I wish I'd been on it from the age of 13 because I'm so calm. <laughs> you know, and I don't have those, you know, my daughter doesn't recognize me she thinks you know my boyfriend said to me oh you you're really calm and chilled and my daughter said is that really true you know, have you been acting and I said how could I be acting for that length of time so yeah so I think you know there's a lot of help out there and that's I think the sort of take-home message for me I feel that there's a lot of help out there for for women and we don't have to suffer or put up with it and we can have a really great journey you know, it can it can really yeah. turn into a really great journey. You know, one where you kind of become unapologetic, speak out, you know, you find your voice, you know, and, and you're sexy. Yeah, no, I love that. Well, you speak about HRT as well, but what else could women be taking like vitamin wise? Hair thinning, is there like hair thinning tablets or anything? Well, one of the things I must say is vitamin D. So many patients come in with low vitamin D. And when you have a low vitamin D, it can make you feel achy, tired, you know, and flatten your mood. And you might be surprised at how, how much sort of low vitamin D levels also overlap with perimenopause. You know, making sure your iron levels are optimal, not just normal, optimal, you know, for your hair, also for your concentration, for your energy, things like vitamin B12. Um, and, and, and that's the important thing to recognize. It's not just normal, it's optimal for you. And also getting your thyroid checked around this time is important because so many women start to develop an underactive thyroid around this time. And that could be one of the factors causing 
some of the weight gain potentially. And is there anything else that would be good to help manage symptoms? I know we spoke about exercise and things like that, but is there anything else you both would suggest that could help? I mean, there's lots of vitamins out there talking about things like ashwagandha, maca. You can take sort of phytoestrogens, black cohosh, red clover. You know, there are lots of sort of brands which have created sort of multivitamin packs for women in menopause and perimenopause, which can be very helpful and supportive for a woman on this journey. Collagen, I really love taking collagen. Yeah. Marine collagen for me. I think also things that calm your mind as well. So, you know, sort of like doing a breath work in the morning, like a meditation, like things like yoga, going out on a walk, putting your, leaving your phone behind. So you're just in the moment and you're very mindful and you just have that time just to switch off and just to look around and just to take it in. Anything that just calms your system down. So breathing, mindfulness, meditation, yoga, all that kind of stuff is brilliant. And then everything that Dr. Shazadi said, like, you know, the B12, B complex for the nervous system, the vitamin D. Most of us living in this country are vitamin D deficient. I like a little bit of magnesium sometimes at night. That helps to kind of... Oh, I forgot to mention that one. Yeah, I quite yeah. like that to switch off and wind down, especially if you're incorporating a lot of movement and exercise and you've got sore muscles. It's good for recovery. And yeah, a little CBD oil on your temples if you want to take the drops pillow sprays having good sleep hygiene is really good as well like having that wind down process especially when you're coming into perimenopause and menopause because the sleep can be massively impacted lots of natural fibers when you sleep so you don't get too sweaty yeah just kind of being probiotics sensible. you know probiotics, probiotics looking yes. after your gut health yes, because yes, feeling yes, yes. bloated 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 is such a common symptom so yeah so a good probiotic look after your gut health because that's really important for mood and immunity so yeah covered quite a few there. <laughs> yeah. yeah I feel like these are things though that we should be just doing in life anyway but like yeah. when you're going through yeah. something like this you should, you should do it yeah. more yeah. but this is for both of you for somebody that thinks they're going through perimenopausal symptoms what advice would you give them <laughs> so so I would say I would I would say if you're not feeling like yourself and you're not feeling right you're feeling tired, you know, your periods are changed, you're feeling a bit anxious and you're around the age of sort of in your 40s or then go and seek some help. Go and have a chat with somebody. There's also a lot of information out there on social media, on the internet, but go and see a healthcare professional and, and have a chat. Yeah. Uh, what I would say would be to write down some of your symptoms and how you're feeling, because I think once you, it's so hard to get doctor's appointments, as we know right now, you know, and I think when you've got that very small window when you're in the doctor's appointment and you're so sort of like, like I did all those years ago, eight years ago, I just burst into tears. And so it was really hard to kind of, for the doctor and for me to get across what was going on. Um, and so sometimes you can get misdiagnosed or you can kind of like, just be like, I'll oh, come back and, you know, come and see me again in six months and, you know, do some yoga and hopefully you'll feel better. So I'd start writing a diary and, you know, start writing your symptoms down. My cycles have come to this. I've, I'm bleeding like this. I'm not sleeping. I've got night sweats. I've got, just start listing everything. So when you go to your GP, you can list it all and then you can kind of rule out some things, hopefully get some blood tests and get some sort of resolution. But it is quite hard and, and it's really hard for GPs as well to kind of know everything. Yeah. There isn't that much, you know, that's a lot of... They don't know a lot about menopause, unfortunately, so or perimenopause. So it's quite tricky. But just keep pushing, just keep pushing and take somebody with you. Take a friend or a partner with you just so that you shouldn't they can... have to wait three to four years to get your symptoms yeah. sorted. You know, three yeah. to four years is a long time. It's too long. Women yeah. with symptoms, you know, a week is a really long time. A month is a really long time. So, so yeah, all 
all good advice. I mean, I, w- I would agree with Lisa. Write it down. Make the most of your appointment. You know, maybe even chat to your pharmacist because, you know, sometimes they have a handle on this. They may be able to sign post you to some supplements in the meantime and things like that. So, so yeah, so just talk to somebody. Well, thank you both so much. I have to say, I feel like I've just had a wealth of knowledge imparted on me. So thank you. And it is so important. And it's so so important to open up the topic and like get rid of the taboo around it because they're kind of, it's going away. And I think it's with the help of people like you. So thank you so much for chatting to us. And that was very interesting. I loved it. Thank Thank you. you. Right, we are going to have to wrap things up there. I'd like to thank Lisa and Jazadi for joining us. I'm sure there are plenty of people listening who are breathing a sigh of relief knowing that they aren't alone. I've actually learned so much from this episode. And if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate if you'd rate and review and subscribe because it makes a big difference and we'd love to spread the word. Remember also, if anyone listening to this episode is struggling with suspected symptoms of perimenopause or the menopause, always speak to your GP as a first port of call and you can also head to boots.com to discover the boots menopause hub which helps you find the right support from informative articles to product recommendations based on the symptoms you are experiencing if you want to get some advice about the impact of menopause on your skin you can speak to a number seven or liz or a beauty advisor at your local boots plus you can check out the boots online doctor which allows you to book a convenient consultation with a clinician who can advise on menopause and hrt treatment treatments supplied are subject to an online consultation with a clinician to ensure suitability charges do apply thanks girl yeah. thank you brilliant it was i'm gonna get my husband to listen to this one as well because it is important for men to listen to us because they don't understand 